0: Thank you for listening to WNLA's Sermon of the Week. Visit our website at wnla.church for ways to partner with us and to connect with our ministries. Here is this week's sermon. We are uh, going to be doing some praying today at the end of the service. We're going to pray over our, our leaders, over our nation, uh, and, and, and all of that. So we've got these balloons up. We've got all sorts of things going on. But I thought... Before we jumped into any of that, it would be really nice to go on a bit of a washing of the Word. Anybody, give me a thumbs up, just a a refreshing, a raw washing, a, a worldview washing even through the Word of God. Uh, just a little bit of a cleansing um, before we get into any of that. And so uh, we're going to do that today. We are going to turn to the Word of God and allow it to wash our minds, wash our hearts, wash our, all of it. It's, a, it's bath time, all right? Let's pray. Father, we love you. Father, we receive the forgiveness of our sins freely through the name of Jesus. Father, we rely on you. We praise your name. We love you, Father. We lean not on our understanding, but we submit to your word. We invite you to just wash us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so here we go. And I wanna preface by saying this. If, if you trust me, some of you are like, uh, if you trust me, I just ask you to let your hearts be a little vulnerable today. If you don't trust me because you just don't know me that well i I get that but i ask you to at least consider what i'm saying and at least think about it and make a decision on what we're talking about today we're going to start here in the beginning in the beginning and make no mistake there was a beginning in the beginning. Now, I'm going to pause there for a second. And I, if you've attended here for any period, I've said this before. I quite enjoy science. I really do. I like, I like to read different articles. I, one my favorite class in college, I was an English major, by the way. But my favorite class was physics. I just. It blew my mind, um, all, all the ins and outs of it. Um, and, and so I do enjoy it. Science defined is this. The intellectual and practical, there's a lot of words here, so just pay attention. The intellectual and practical activity encompassing the systematic study of the structure and behavior of the physical and natural world through observation and experiment. (laughs) Say that 10 times fast. That's the dictionary definition of science. Observing the natural world through observation and experiment. This is science. And I quite enjoy studying science because to me, and as as a second year college student Andy sitting in physics class, I was overwhelmed. By my Lord and Savior, as, by God, when I'm studying physics in a secular university, and, and honestly, because to me, when I'm studying science, when I'm observing these laws and studying physics and studying gravity and all those things, it's like watching and, and revealing how my God, His th- His thumbprints, the systems that He put in place. And so, I, to me, it was it was like Bible study. It was to, that's what it was to me. Now, I I got there. I got there not by science. I got to that perspective by another word: faith. Faith is how I got to that perspective. Now, faith defined is this: the complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Now, I decided long ago. I put my complete faith and my complete trust in the Word of God in Jesus Christ, and so my worldview is: I, I, I can only, I only look at things from that perspective that's where i come from because that's my faith that's what i believe now follow me here humans are not one dimensional thinkers or beings okay we are capable of of science and faith simultaneously in fact i believe that's how we're created we are, we, are, we are scientific, logical, intelligent beings and people of, of faith all at the same time. And I don't believe there's any man, woman, and child that's ever lived in the history of the planet that hasn't walked at both at the exact same time. Always. It's just how it works. Humans are not one dimensional. Whether you're a Christian, atheist, Buddhist, agnostic, doesn't matter. It takes a leap of faith. And you're going to believe something. I eat food. I do probably more than i should but why did i start eating food not because i ascended there intellectually i did it because out of instinct i I needed something that would nourish something and i just went for it now scientifically i have been taught and, and and looked through that there are certain foods that will nourish me better and and help my health in a better way than others right so, so I eat vegetables, cut down on the red meat, these things are better for me scientifically. But I can, t- I, and I choose those things because in faith, I think I'm gonna be alive tomorrow and next year. I, I think I'm gonna, I believe that. And so I'm gonna choose the good things. If I thought for sure, if I believed for sure the world was done tomorrow, it would be pizza and pastries today. <laughs> oh, you, all in, I'd, I'd be going for it. But in faith, I believe something different. All right, we're faith people, we are science people. And now lately, I have heard, and this is not new, but I've heard a lot lately, oh, we, we science will finally win. Si- we are people of, we are science people. Okay? And when I, when I hear that, I'm like, well, I am too. But, so, so we are people of science now, as opposed to what? As opposed to what? Well, th- when it's being said, it's as opposed to people of faith. It's being said as a, I'm a scientist, I'm not a person. We're not going to listen to faith. So, so when I hear that, it hurts my feelings a little bit. Because I really believe that I'm both. And I'm, I'm walking faithfully in both. Now, I will say this, and I will submit to you, and I'm, I'm taking you on a journey here of cleansing, so follow me. I believe that every scientist that's ever existed from the most agnostic or atheistic one that ever lived is just every bit a person of faith as every priest, pastor, imam, whatever has lived. We are faith people. Whether you've decided there's a God or there isn't, it takes an act of faith on your part to make that decision. It absolutely does. Even if you decide there might be, I don't know, you're, you're putting your faith in the unknown rather than God let me let me let me let me show this to you one observable scientific truth now i'm i love i like science you like science i do there is a scientific law this was by parmenides and aristotle later expounded upon it in his in his physics work he says this nothing comes from nothing you, you, nothing can come out of nothing in fact something can't come out of nothing either it makes sense to my logical brain. Does that make sense to you? If I have nothing, nothing will come of it. If I have nothing, something can't come of it. Nothing, means, nothing equals nothing. As a scientist, mind you, you're not supposed to take leaps of faith by definition. So as we trace back scientifically world history, the history of being, the history of matter, we have to start coming up with things in science we call theories, okay? Something like the Big Bang Theory. And that's the theory, which I, if you've read uh, Brief History of Time by Stephen Hawking, I quite enjoy that book, but that's the theory that everything that was ever created, or excuse me, everything that ever was or is came back to a singularity of all the energy, this is immense heat. We can't even describe it exponentially. And all, It comes back to this one moment. I got a, I got a picture of, of the, the map of the cosmic history of the world, if it'll pop up there. The cosmic history of the world comes back. Everything, there we are, back to the singularity. Now, the theory, the Big Bang Theory says, we don't know what was on the other side of nothing, of something. Nothing was there as far as we, we, we have to say nothing was there. Well, <laughs> I read that like in Stephen Hawking. I'm like, well, I can tell you what was there. Like, you know, like you're tracing all this back. It takes a ginormous leap of faith to say nothing created something. You understand that I, I, I am, when I, when I embrace that theory, I'm a, now a person of faith, not science. Because when I embrace a theory, because science by definition has to be repeatable, it has to be observable, and you have to be able to prove it scientifically. Until then, it's a theory, and if I embrace, embrace any theory as fact, I'm a person of faith. This isn't my main point today, but I do want you to understand that we are created as people of faith. And I can tell you that I have chosen faith to know there was something on the other side of that singularity, something that could exist in nothing because he created everything. And that which you do not know, which you call nothing has a name and his name is God. This is what... I have put my faith in, and what millions and millions before have put our faith in. And this God, God who created everything, revealed himself in his word. He revealed himself as Yarche We can't even honestly pronounce his real name because some of us call it Jehovah, some of you call it Yahweh. It's an unpronounceable name, and so we've made up those names to kind of encompass and try to pronounce it. But it's God, he created everything. He's too wonderful to even explain. And I don't get nothing. I don't get how he was there and on the side of nothing, but there was something there and you ha- every man, woman, and child has to, put, has to come to a, to a reckoning with that choice. What am I going to put my faith in? It takes a lot of faith to believe that there was nothing on the other side of nothing that created something. So we all agree that something was there. And here's what I believe. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke these things into existence. And you know what? I'll bet if I were God, I would have been like, bang, just to laugh at my, you know. I would have said bang just as a joke. And you're all grateful I'm not God. I guarantee you God's got a sense of humor, folks. But here he was, God. We don't know why he did it, but he created the heavens and the earth. I believe that nothing, something can't come from nothing, and so I believe scientifically there has to be a God. I do believe that. I believe in the Bible, a revealed word that Jesus Christ was the word who became flesh. He was there at the beginning as things were spoken into existence, as that cost, however fast or slow that thing went, boom! It was remarkable and God Almighty was doing it and Jesus was there. And the Bible doesn't give us every detail, a scientific detail on how, the, how, we, how everything was created. Because if it did, our minds would blow up and the book would be really, really long. But it gives us enough to put our faith in and hold on to. It gives us the description in a poetic form. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You now the earth was formed. So it, goes on, it goes on and on. We believe we believe that god created everything on the other side of something he created light he created water he created image he created man in his image you got to believe that in the image of god male and female he created them but listen to this love was not something he created isn't that interesting love was not a created thing And how do I know that? Because the Word of God tells us that God is love. Now, now this is important as well. I'm taking you on a journey here. I want to read to you our key verse today. Our Our key text is out of 1 John 4, 7 through 21. It says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who has been born of God and knows God and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. It's a lot there, I know. Love is part of who God is. Love existed on this side of the singularity, on the nothing side. It was there because God was there. And God made us in his image, according to Genesis chapter 2. Now follow close. Because we are created in his image, we are by nature created to love. We are by nature created to to love. However, love has a choice at all times. Otherwise, it can't be love. We always wonder, why did God make man, Adam and Eve, with the ability to choose not to do this? He had to. Because if he created them with the, never the ability to choose to not love, to choose sin, he wouldn't have created them in his image. He would have created them as robots, right? And so God created man and woman in his image. By nature, they were people to love. By, by nature, they had the freedom to choose that. Another created being, we believe, Satan himself, was a created he was created by God with the ability to love, the ability to choose and he chose to rebel against God. This is where we get sin. He chose to start entering he entered into the garden too and he wanted to play a game called temptation in the garden. And so he started to say things like this. Did God really say? What is he trying to do? He's trying to stick a wedge in the love. And saying, do you really trust that guy? What is he trying he's trying to taint love. The def- when I choose to be afraid and make choices to hedge my bet against What what am I doing? I'm choosing not to love. And so we, Adam and Eve, we chose to hedge our bets. And what did we choose? We chose to not love in that moment. And as a result, folks, I know this is a lot, it ripped the fabric of the righteousness in us. It took the image of God in us and ripped us and created, and tainted us, and smirched us, and, and, and we, we had no longer, we were like oil and water. God, it's not that God was like, I don't even want to talk to you anymore. I couldn't, I couldn't possibly. No, by nature, we could no longer exist in his presence, because we were, we, were, we were the water, he was the oil, we were separate, and there was nothing that could be done, because we'd chosen not to love perfectly. However, God always loved perfectly. So he didn't drop kick us out of the garden. He's like, "There's just nothing that can be done right now. You've been tainted. You've been you you've been you've been smirched. You've been torn apart. And because God loved perfectly, He didn't. This isn't what He intended. This isn't what He wanted. So we were out of the garden of His presence. We were out of the family. We were out of the presence." And so God set about his return to righteousness plan. He picked a man who believed in faith in God and trusted completely. That's the definition of faith. He picked Abraham because he looked around. Abraham was the one who believed God. And we later find out in the New Testament that it was credited to him as righteousness. And he gives promises to Abraham. He's like, I'm going to redeem through your seed mankind. I'm going to get them back. We're going to get back to what needs to happen. I promise. We get Moses who comes along, and God gives Moses the law. And he's like, folks, here's how, I'm going to give you a detailed list of what you would actually need to do to get back into righteousness. And he gives them sacrifices. He gives them all, all sorts of rules, regulations, do this, do this. At the end of Moses' life, as I told you before, he got to the end and he looks at all of his people and he's like, you can't do it. He hands the reins of the people of God, the Israelites, off to Joshua. Joshua, God uses him to go in and take most of the land, most of it. There was still a remnant that was left in. But at the end of Joshua's life, he said the same thing. You can't do it. As soon as I'm gone, you'll rebel. And he goes to be with his forefathers. He he, he dies. We get this series of judges. We get, we, get, uh, we get all sorts of good ones, bad ones. But here's what happened. The series of judges were constantly like this. The people of God like, we're all in, forgive us, forgive us. And he would send them a judge who would raise up and rescue them. And immediately they would turn their hearts away. And what was the message of the judges? You can't do it, you can't do it. Oh, but we're all in, okay, but you can't do it. Then, then when the, ki- the time of the kings come, David, Samuel, uh, Samuel uh, all these folks, they come. And the same thing happens. The the cycle of, we're all in, oh, we can't do it. We're all in, oh, we can't do it. Fail, fail, fail. All throughout the history, he's sending his prophets in with the message, you're failing, come on, you gotta do this, get back right. He sends this guy named Hosea, a prophet. And he says, take that prostitute as your wife. Gomer is her name. So he goes and he marries Gomer, a prostitute. She cheats on him, she's unfaithful with him. And of course, he's like, what the, and God's like, Go back and take her as your wife again. And he does it again, and he does it again. And God's message is like, I will always take you back. I'm coming for you. There's nothing that you can do. I'm coming for you. And and the message of the Old Testament is like, we can't do it. And throughout every generation, we're crying out as humans, Messiah, we need you. We need Hosanna. We need you. We need the Savior because we've fallen. We chose sin, and it's, it's, it's wrecked us. It's ripped our righteousness. We've tried everything. And so the word became flesh and made its dwelling among us and we beheld the glory of the father through his son jesus christ folks this is the history of mankind i'm trying to give us some perspective here today jesus christ born of a woman as as a human being in the flesh Again, had every opportunity. He was here 33 years. Every opportunity, every temptation to choose to not love perfectly, which is sin. And yet he walked faithfully and against even what he wanted, he chose to act in love. He chose. He was without sin. And so 33 years later, we didn't know what to do with him. And so we put him on a cross and we killed him. Jesus went down hell couldn't handle him and spit him back out (laughs) three days later jesus comes out victoriously risen again in the flesh and he says i got it back here's the path you put your faith in me all you have to do is receive the receive me the blood of jesus forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness and positionally now you're welcome into the presence that fabric that was so so dramatically ripped was so was put back together whole through the blood of Jesus through his death and his resurrection this is the faith this is the way this is the truth this is the only life you're all people of faith I'm get, I, I'm telling you what I believe with every ounce of my being is true it didn't stop there God's love of course He rises from the dead. He appears to his disciples. He, he, and they're all excited now. I mean, we're excited because now it's time. And he says this. He starts to float away. <laughs> it, it is kind of weird. But he totally, he, he's like, listen, I'm going to the Father. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You just rose from the dead. He's like, stay in Jerusalem. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. You will be clothed with power from on high. And you are to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. He's like, I am coming again. He instituted a couple of things here before he, he went to the right hand of the Father. He instituted something called the ecclesia. The ecclesia that's your Greek word of the day. And the ecclesia is what we call the church. And it literally means the called out ones. The ones who are called out of your homes. You're called out of your culture to be witnesses of something else, of another kingdom. And he's like, and I'm going to clothe my ecclesia with power from on high to be my witnesses. And he's like, I will be, I'll be back. (laughs) And he went to be with the father and he empowered the church. And he said this of the ecclesia and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Folks, now, that was 2,000 years ago. Folks, look at me. Positionally, this is where we are. I know it's been 2,000 years of it, but positionally, this is where you are in the timeline of humanity, the timeline of the earth. You are the Ecclesia. You are the called out ones. Now, we always, we, we think often that, uh, you know, this, that we're the center of the earth, right? The center of the world. I got this, this world map for us today. If we'll throw that up there. I know you're not going to see it well. I have it out in the foyer as well. But on my map of human history, these are all the kingdoms of the world. The big orange blob in the middle is the Roman Empire. It was the biggest one ever. It, ex- it expanded over a lot of the earth. But here we are. These are the kingdom of this earth. I love that Ethiopia is one of the longest, straightest lines of all, right? Let's just give them a hand. We, the United States of America, are the purple blob on the bottom right-hand side in the great scheme of, this, of the kingdoms of this world. Now, I, I believe we are special. We did set out to create, we create a nation under God. That was our goal. That was everything. But it doesn't change the fact that we're called out of the U.S., Folks, everyone in this room, you're going to give up your citizenship one day because you, you are the called out ones. You are the ecclesia. Now we bless our country. We bless where we're at. But if you were born in Canada, same thing. You're born in Ethiopia, same thing. You were called to be the ecclesia in that place. Not, not to be, not, it's not going to be the kingdom of the United States that you live in for all time and eternity. It'll be the kingdom of, this, of God, his righteousness, all time and eternity. And we are here to bless and bring the light as the called out ones and the witnesses. Because this is where we are positionally. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. And that's where we've been throughout history here. This is where we are positionally. This is our position in world history. I bring this up because we are waiting for something. Something, something that's pretty exciting. <laughs> you see, I think because of the 2,000-year gap here, a lot of us, and we get very excited about, we're waiting for a funeral. We're waiting for, the, for God to come and start chopping heads and taking names. There he is. He's calling us right now. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready too, all right? Listen, church, we are waiting for Something. We are positionally on planet Earth here for this time and we are awaiting for the return of the king and we are waiting. For, now, guys, I know this is hard. We are waiting for the wedding banquet. We're waiting for the wedding. Now, it's a very different thing to start planning and waiting for a wedding than it is to start planning and waiting for a funeral. What are you waiting for? Well, <laughs> I remember when... when, when uh, When I first got engaged to my wife, right? Do you remember this? Those of you who are married, when you're you're starting to plan the wedding, right? And and there was this, uh, some of you should stop planning, all right? You 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 guys in the front two rows, please? Uh. (laughs) The rest of you, you're good, but uh, where was I? All right, so here we are. This is your mindset. Do you remember this? Like, like my wife's planning the colors of the wedding. We're, we're like, oh, we we need to invite everybody we can. We want Uncle Crazy. We want Uncle Normal. We want uh, we we want all the flying to and fly We want them to be part of this day, this wedding. We want to invite them into this banquet. Like I'm planning, ah, oh, the honeymoon. I'm gonna. Oh, we're going to Disneyland. <laughs> That's what I did, folks. Because I'm an amazing husband. Some of, hey, listen. I'm not perfect in love, right? But this, this is positionally where we are. This is what the church is. We are awaiting that, not a funeral. We're awaiting the wedding banquet, the wedding supper. Revelation 19.6 gives us a glimpse and and just a boop. Here's what it's going to be like. It says this. Then I heard a sound which sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. Folks, positionally... This is what we are eagerly looking forward to. We call it the blessed hope. Every person who has put their hope and faith, and they've made that decision to put their faith in Christ Jesus, this is the party banquet we're going to be a part of. Yeah. Those we loved, those we didn't know, all of them. We're going to come to, it's going to be, I can't even, we can't even describe it. Yeah. And I think we get sidetracked when we start, we get, we get so more concerned about the funeral. Yeah. We're the bride of Christ. Now imagine... A couple weeks before my wedding, I tread on, this is an analogy, this isn't, it never happened, I have to say this, but imagine, imagine before my wedding, my wife, instead of being excited about what the colors are going to be, and who the brides made, all those and like planning all of this thing, she starts chatting with her old love, her old friend, or she starts getting, she's like, she doesn't even care, she's not even thinking about the wedding anymore, she's just thinking about uh, her job. She's thinking about uh, her car. She's thinking about other... What is that called? That is called adultery. She didn't do it, by the way, folks. She was so excited to marry me. She can't even explain it. Or I'd have her come up here right now. But listen, the Bible has a word for that. And, and, and the church throughout history, we've, been, we've fallen into this. And, and I don't like the word, but it's called whoring after the, word, the world adultery when we get more concerned we just we're walking through we're walking through COVID we're walking through elections but if you've allowed that to consume your affections and your and your expectations more than the wedding supper and the great hope of Jesus Christ and the witness that we get to be here on planet earth you have fallen into adultery against the true love positionally and it's great great we get to repent now you can repent and say God forgive me of my wandering heart, bind it to you. I'm I'm excited. I'm all in with you, folks. This is where we are. We are so excited, eagerly expecting the King to return. He could come at any moment. He might wait another two thousand years. I don't know. But positionally, he's placed me here. He's anointed me for what I'm supposed to do. He's anointed and called you. He's like, now, I yes, eagerly await the wedding. And while you are, be my witnesses all over the place. Wherever I've placed you, wherever I call you, you walk across that globe. You bring my kingdom because I. this is the solution for all mankind to come to the fullness of righteousness and back into the kingdom. This is perfect love. And I implore you, whether you're here today or you're watching online, you will put your faith in something. I don't care what you say. And I invite you to put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. There is a God. He existed on the other side of nothing, of something. He is. that's why he's, he says, "I am." I' like, I don't get that. Are you are you were? Are I am," he says, and people fall. <laughs> Because he always is. He is. He exists outside of the something. And so he has all power to save everything. He created you. He has a plan for you. And he created you in his image to choose. And you can choose you this day who you will serve. And when you choose Jesus, when you come to him, you are made whole again. You are made righteous again. You are invited into a kingdom. You are invited to the wedding banquet. Amen? One last thing. I'm going to have the worship team go ahead and come up. I want to read 1 John one more time. It says this. We read it already. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another... God's love lives in us and is made complete in us. My last point here, positionally, you have no human enemies. We're called to love because that's how we represent God. He is love. This is how I, I walk in love. The enemy is doing his dance of temptation, trying to get us to hate each other, even within the church, within Christian circles, because he wants us to stop representing God.